Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. Metro exists to exalt God and equip people. Here at Metro, we long to become a community that celebrates the presence of God, communicates the Word of God, demonstrates the love of God, and educates the people of God. Everything we do revolves around this core mission and vision. We are so glad you are here today to listen to this week's podcast. It is our prayer that this message encourages you and equips you to be like Christ in all aspects of your life. Enjoy today's message. Amen, amen. You may be seated. Why don't we give a clap offering to the Lord right now? Hallelujah. Praise God. The Lord is moving in this place. Amen. It's so good to be together. Um, You know, uh, a few weeks ago when we uh, initially opened the church, uh, someone made a really funny statement to me. They were like, oh, pastor, so um, this must be your second day on the job. You know, and it it made me laugh because as soon as I was installed as a pastor, the next week we closed the church. And this is my first Sunday to actually have people in the room. So I am thrilled and excited to be here. For the last six months, I've been preaching straight into a camera. So I'm so glad and grateful that we are together um, and worshiping God and being together in the presence of God. Amen. I know, church, we're going through several changes, and change can be difficult, and we need to be able to see clearly in order to embrace those changes. We need to have vision for those changes, and as I've been praying for the church for the last several months, the Lord was helping me uh, interpret what pandemic would be for us as a church, and some people see pandemic perhaps as a spiritual tomb. But the Lord was teaching me that it is not a spiritual tomb, but it is a spiritual cocoon for our church. The difference is in a tomb, things die, and in a cocoon, things transform. And it may look the same to the outside, but things there's life in one and death in the other. And I believe that our church, through this pandemic, was not in a tomb, but we were in a cocoon. God was changing us. God was transforming us. Not simply as an organization, but in each and every one of our lives, God has been doing new things. I've talked to many of you. God is opening new doors for some of you at your work. God is doing new things in your schoolwork. God is doing new things among us. It may be different. But it does not mean that it is bad. Amen. Because God is doing a new thing. And so in this space, I want you to receive the word to have the sight to see that God is not done. Nothing died in pandemic, but things are being transformed. Amen. I'm glad to be back. Let's open up our Bible right now to Mark chapter 10, verse 46. Um, The title of my message this morning is, but now I see Mark chapter 10 verse 46. Uh, We have been on a journey through the book of Mark, through the miracles of the book of Mark. I started several, maybe perhaps months ago, talking about Jesus taming the sea and delivering the demoniac, and the demoniac at Decapolis became the evangelist at Decapolis. Then Jesus met Jairus' daughter and a woman with the issue of blood. One was a girl that was only 12 years old, and the other was a woman who had been suffering for 12 years. No matter if it was an urgent issue or an important chronic issue, God delivered them both. And then we met a deaf and mute boy, which most of the society believed was totally unreachable. 
But then Jesus set him aside, reached him and told him, be opened and everything in him open. And I believe that was a prophetic word for our church that God was going to open our lives and open the church. And the last time I preached, we talked about an epileptic boy and a desperate father. And as the disciples come from the, down from the Mount of Transfiguration, they meet this father and Jesus teaches his disciples how to be unshakable. Despite the disputes, the desperation, or the defeat in your life, God is teaching us to be like Mount Zion. We shall never be shaken. Amen? With each one of these passing miracles, God is not just illustrating his dominion over death and disease, but he's telling us that he is the Lord of every human matter or human affair in our life. Now we will enter into a story in Mark chapter 10 and meet a famous blind man by the name of Bartimaeus. If you are following closely, I don't know how many you are, you might see that I skipped over one miracle which is in the book of Mark chapter 8, verse 22 through 25, which is the healing of the blind man at Bethsaida. But I did that on purpose because I believe this morning these two miracles of the healing of blind men were meant to be studied together. I believe that Mark gave us two blind men stories so that we would understand that we need to see. The storytelling is storyteller Mark is using these two blind men's stories. So if you want, you can turn to Mark chapter 8 and keep your finger there because we're going to look at both texts. Mark is trying to help us see that it is not only these blind men that are blind, but the rest of us reading this may be blind to Jesus. I believe today God is going to open some people's eyes. Open your eyes to see God clearly. Perhaps today, God is going to give you an insight about your own life. Perhaps God is going to give you insight about the relationships in your life. Or perhaps God is going to give you an insight about a situation in your life. God is going to open eyes regardless. Now, if you're ready to receive the word, God will open your eyes as well. Amen? Some of you are going to see Christ more clearly today. And with that new sight, God is going to bring revelation and deliverance in your life. Amen? Some of you have blinders that have been put on you by the word of this world, I believe this morning those blinders are going to be removed. Some of you, the enemy has blinded you from certain things in your life, and this morning those blinders are going to be removed at the preaching of God's word. Amen? Do you believe that? You want to, you want to agree with these blind men? I was once blind, but now I see. Amen? Let's enter the text. Mark chapter 10, verse 46 through 52. I'll read it in English. It says this in verse 46. That they came to, Jeru came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving that city. There a blind man named Bartimaeus, which means the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called the blind man and said, Cheer up. Get up on your feet. He is calling you. Verse 50. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. The blind man said, Rabbi, I just want to see Go, Jesus said. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. In this text, we're going to learn three things about Bartimaeus. The first thing is that he fixed his eyes on Jesus. 
Despite his circumstances, he fixed his eyes on Jesus. Number two, he was finished with his old way of life. Once he saw Jesus, he was totally finished with his old way of life. Third, no matter what, he was ready to follow Jesus. Fixed on Jesus, finished with his old life, and now ready to completely follow Jesus. Amen? These attributes are attributes of a person that can truly see. A man suffering with physical blindness not only had his physical blindness restored, but also his spiritual sight. Today, God wants to grant every one of us that spiritual sight. Amen? Let's, let's turn to the text. Verse 46 through 49, Bartimaeus was fixed on Jesus. In this text, we see that Jesus is leaving Jericho on their way to Jerusalem. Typically in these cities, as you enter or exit a city, there are beggars right there at the city gate on either side, welcoming people coming into the city. This is a very common scene to see beggars that are sick and people are generously giving their alms to these people that were literally living on the margins. And anywhere Jesus went, there was a huge crowd. So beggars begin to line up because they see this huge crowd coming into the city. On the side of the road, there was a man named Bartimaeus. He could hear the conversations that people were having. He heard the buzz on the street. What was that? Bartimaeus quickly realized that Jesus, the rabbi from Nazareth, was inside this group coming to Jerusalem. You see, friends, no matter what you are going through, once you hear that Jesus is nearby, something begins to change in your life. After hearing of that word, Bartimaeus changed. It was supposed to be an ordinary day for begging. But when the word came to Bartimaeus, it quickened his being. And today would no longer be about begging. It would be about something else. Why? Because he heard Jesus was passing by. At that word, Bartimaeus decided, today is the day. Bartimaeus said, I am determined that I will meet Jesus. No matter what happens to me, his focus was fixed on Jesus. There he began to cry out. This word changed this man from a silent, marginal beggar to a man that was ready to no longer be silent, to speak on his own behalf. He refused to be relegated to the margins, and there he was fixed on meeting Jesus. What did he cry out? He cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Let's analyze this statement for a second. This proclamation from a blind beggar is the most accurate description of Jesus through the entire book of Mark. He declared that this Jesus of Nazareth is the son of David. From the blind, not those that see, from the beggar, not those that are rich, from the margin, not those that are powerful, we hear the true identity of Jesus. He is no simple rabbi. He is no normal teacher. He is not, the car- he is not a carpenter from Nazareth. He is not the son of Joseph. This is the son of David. This is the true king of Israel. This language is powerful language. This is royalty language. This is political language. He is saying the heir of David's throne that we have been waiting for is this Jesus. He is majesty. He is the king of kings. At this declaration, people told him to be quiet. I was often, when I would teach this text, I used to think that people thought Bartimaeus was annoying. 
He was too loud. That's why they told him to be quiet. Actually, they were telling him to be quiet because this statement is absurd. They heard son of David. He evoked majestic language. He evoked kingly language. And they told him, tell that crazy beggar what? To be quiet, son of David. But they thought he lost his mind, but he was totally fixed on Jesus. Be quiet. He's just a good teacher is what they said. Be quiet. He's just a compassionate healer. Be quiet. He's from Nazareth. What good can come from there? Be quiet. He is only good, but he is no king. Be quiet. Again, let's analyze this story. Mark uses blindness as a literary technique. Mark is a masterful author. At this juncture of the text, if you are reading it, if you were in the ancient Near East and you were just reading the book of Mark, you too would wonder, is he really the root of Jesse, the son of David? Can that be true? Mark is laughing at his own irony. He makes the blind man have the clearest spiritual sight in the entire story. Everyone has their physical sight, but no one can see Jesus. But the blind man who has no sight, he can see Jesus for who he really is. What is he? The king of kings. Amen. Now let's keep analyzing the book of Mark. We see in chapter 8, he's trying to illustrate this further. If you look at the beginning of chapter 8, Jesus is feeding the 4,000. He has seven loaves and a few fish. It is an amazing sign. He multiplies that food and he feeds 4,000 people. Now in verse 14, after that story, the disciples get in the boat with Jesus. And Jesus says to them really quickly, hey, be careful. They look at each other. What is he saying? He says in verse 14, be careful. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. The disciples heard the word yeast. And many of you are hearing the word yeast. And I know where your mind is going. Bread. <laughs> Food. It would be good right now. They heard yeast and they immediately thought bread. They said, oh no. Is it because master is saying that because we forgot to pack bread in the boat? That's what it says. But Jesus could not believe what? How blind they were. They could not see. He said, really? Bread? Is that what you want to talk about? Didn't you see? We had 5,000 people in their families and all were fed. How many do we have left over? 12 baskets. We just had another miracle. 4,000 people came. I fed them all. How many baskets were left over? Seven. You think this is about bread? He was so upset. Verse 17, he says, why are you talking about bread? Do you still not see? Do you have eyes, but you cannot see? The disciples are blind. They sort of see Jesus, but they do not completely understand him. So in verse 22, what does Mark do to help us understand what is happening to the disciples? He creates the most strangest miracle, the healing of the blind man at Bethsaida. What happens in that story? A blind man is brought to him. Jesus spits on the man's eyes, touches it with his hands, and what happens? He can sort of see, only halfway. The blind man says, I see people, but they kind of look like trees. So then what does Jesus do? He touches his eyes again, and then the man can see clearly. This story is placed in this text, not as just a healing, but it is a parable of what is happening to the disciples. The disciples and us. I don't know how you are seeing Jesus today. 
Some of you may be sort of seeing him, but you are not clearly seeing him for what he is. The, this parable is trying to teach us that Jesus is not just a good man. He is not just a good healer. He is the king of kings. And do you see him that way or not? Are your eyes fixed on Jesus. You know, when my kids are little, you know, they don't do this anymore. But they used to take my glasses and put them on. You know, it's huge on their face. And, you know, I don't have too bad of a prescription, but they put them on. And the first thing, their reaction is, you can see through this? Well, I see clearly through that. But for them, it is completely blurred. As they put on my glasses, their vision is distorted. They put their hands out. They try to grab things. They can't even walk straight by putting my glasses on, trying to touch things. They can see, but they cannot see clearly. They are still partially blind. And friends, I want to tell you this morning, in the kingdom of God, partially blind is not good enough. I want you to examine your minds and your hearts this morning. Do you completely see Jesus? Do you say what the crowd says about him? Are you faithful like blind Bartimaeus to say, I know who he is. He is the king of the universe, king of my life. Everything he says, I do. Do you see him for what he is? Are you halfway seeing him? Is he just the rabbi that gives you blessings? Is he just the teacher that helps you at school? Is he the little deity that makes your life easy? If so, you are only halfway seeing him. If it's only prosperity you are looking for when you come to Christ, you are only halfway seeing him. You see, Jesus is gracious to give us these blessings, but he is not your genie to grant you your wishes. Like Bartimaeus, we need to fix our eyes on Jesus to see who is really passing by. Who is really passing by this morning in our church? Someone just to give you everything you need? Or is he the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Amen? Examine yourself. How do you see Jesus? The second thing is, not only was he able to see Jesus, but he was finished with his old life. Verse 50 through 51. The next thing that Bartimaeus does is completely fascinating. I love that when Jesus heard the term son of David, he stopped in the way to Jerusalem. You see, all throughout the book of Mark, he's been trying to explain to his disciples and followers who he really is. But they don't understand that he's the Messiah. They don't, they don't quite get it. They only halfway see. Now this blind guy sees him clearly. So Jesus stops. You know, he taught the disciples using children. He said, you know, okay, if you guys don't get it, you see these kids? Be like these kids. Open your eyes and be like these kids. They don't understand. So then he sees the rich young ruler. He said, why do you call me good? Why do you call me a good teacher? No one else is good except God alone. But that rich young man, ruler, he could not see. He did not understand. Jesus, in this, even in this text in Mark 10, predicts his death for the third time. I'm going to die. And in three days, I'm going to be raised from the dead. They still did not understand. They could not see. So here's the kicker in Mark 10. James and John, they have a private conversation with Jesus. I love these private conversations with Jesus. They don't want the other ten to hear what they're going to say. So Jesus, we have something important we need for you to do. Whatever we do, I love this. Jesus, whatever we do, you do it, okay? Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Okay, we want to be on your left and your right when you get into your throne in glory. Jesus was completely crestfallen. 
He couldn't believe that's what they asked. They still did not understand. They did not see clearly. But here on the side of the road, this beggar that everyone overlooked opened his mouth and said, son of David. So Jesus says, call him. I love that. He stopped everything and he said, he didn't call, his, he didn't call Peter. That's the last thing we need right now is Peter. He didn't call James or John, the ones that wanted to sit on his left and right. He said, stopped everything. He said, call him. The man on the margin, the blind beggar, call him. And immediately he got up. What does the text say about Bartimaeus? When Jesus called him, a couple of things happened. He throws off his cloak. He jumps to his feet and he walks to Jesus. There's so much happening right now. If we analyze ancient Near East culture, we will see how dramatic this is. First of all, you don't talk to beggars. You don't talk to them. You just give them, like in India, they are untouchables. You just give them alms and you keep going. To address a beggar and for a beggar to move that quickly and with that much boldness, all of this is a perplexing thing to happen. And not to mention, mention this is a busy week in Jerusalem. That road is filled with people going into Jerusalem. Jesus stops the traffic to talk to this beggar. The beggar gets up. Immediately, Jesus begins to address a beggar. In the middle of the road. A little more explanation needs to happen here. On the roadside, remember I told you, beggars are lined up as people enter into a city. Because the city is crowded, they don't want to keep all the beggars inside the city, so they get them ready outside of the city. This is the official way a system in the city works. And there's another system. You don't know as a traveler, as you come into the city, if these beggars are legitimate or not. You don't know. So the way the city officials know someone is legitimate and they're not cheating you is they come before the priests. They become before the city officials. And if they are truly blind, if they are truly deaf, if they are truly lame, what they do is they give them a cloak. And that cloak symbolizes that they are a legitimate person, that they truly have that disease and you can give confidently and not have to worry about being conned as you walk in. So as a traveler coming in, you see this cloak. Now, what does Bartimaeus do? It is quite spectacular what he does when Jesus calls him. His only source of legitimacy, his only source of identity, his only source of income and stability is this cloak. When Jesus calls, he drops his cloak. Not only is he fixed on Jesus, he is totally finished with his old way of life. He declares for everyone that is watching him, I am done being a blind beggar. Anything that signif signif signific signified this old way of life, that is gone. I have dropped it. Because you know, friends, when the king comes to Jerusalem, I don't need a cloak anymore because he will make all things right. You see, when the king comes to Jerusalem, I'm no longer identified as a blind beggar. I am now a citizen of his kingdom. When the king comes to Jerusalem, I am no longer blind, but now I see. I can see the disciples with their worried looks on their faces. What is this poor man going to do now? He has no way of begging. But then Jesus states an important question. What does he say in verse 51? This is Mark being tricky again. What did Jesus say? What do you want me to do for you? Why is this significant? Because we heard this question before. 
Verse 36, James and John in their private conversation with Jesus. They did not understand. They were blind. And Jesus asked, what do you want me to do for you? James and John were blind, so they didn't know how to answer that question. Bartimaeus, who is still blind, understands the question. You see, James and John, they asked for status. Bartimaeus, he gave up his status. But James and John, they asked to be seen. Bartimaeus just says, help me to see you. They asked for power. Bartimaeus asked, let me just follow. Why? Because he was done with his old way of life. But these disciples were trying to keep their old life. So standing before them is a beggar that totally sees everything clearly. Bartimaeus is blind still at this moment. But he is fixed on Jesus and finished with his old way of life. It doesn't matter if he can see or not right now. He is the only one that sees Jesus clearly. Amen? Church, do you see that the greatest miracle happening here is not the opening of Bartimaeus' eyes. It is the opening of everyone else's. Even now, 2,000 years later, as we read this text, it is not Bartimaeus that is getting healed. It is me and you. As this text comes on our eyes, God is asking, are you still blind? Or do you see me for who I really am? Here is a man fixed on Jesus and finished with his life. Church, are we finished with our life? Are we finished with our old way of life? Are you finished chasing the comforts of this world, the identity, the status, the reputation? Are you finished keeping your cloak very close to you? Unless you're willing to say that, I am finished with this, you don't see Jesus clearly. Because at the end of this week that is about to happen, Jesus will hang on a cross and he will also say, this is finished. Church, are you willing to drop it all and follow him into Jerusalem? The last thing is this as we close. I'm going to invite the worship team up. And we're going to close at this point. In typical Mark fashion, this miracle ends immediately. I've taught through the book of Mark that the word immediately is one of Mark's favorite words. Immediately. Everything happens so fast. You're either... Don't get it quickly, or you get it quickly. Everything happens immediately. So then go, Jesus says this, go. If you have the King James Version or some other version, it will say, go your way. Go your way. Your faith has healed you. Go. That is a fascinating word for a blind man. Go. He's probably never heard that in his life. Go on your way as a blind man. This blind man that can finally see, he can actually go anywhere that he chooses for the first time in his life. Can you imagine the sheer exhilaration in his body as the colors, the lights, the shapes, so vibrant and clear, exploding into his view for the first time. He is taking it all in, and his spiritual eyes that were already opened are telling his physical eyes what he should do. The spiritual man is saying, don't let these new views distract you from the most important thing that matters. Yes, you are blessed to see, but that is not what matters. Yes, you have something new to look at, but that is not what matters. Yes, you can go your own way for the first time in your life. But what does he decide to do in verse 52? He follows Jesus down the road. Church, not only should we be fixed on him, 
Not only should we say I'm finished with this old life, but we must be ready to follow Jesus no matter what. No matter where he is going. Where is Jesus going? He's going right into Jerusalem. In chapter 11, you can see where this road is going. Chapter 11 says they are going into Jerusalem for what? The triumphant entry. So where is Bartimaeus going then? With him into Jerusalem. Following Jesus as what? King of Jerusalem into his triumphant entry. No one else saw him as king, but he did. And he's walking with him into Jerusalem. You see, no one else could see royalty before Bartimaeus could. No one else called him son of David before Bartimaeus did. And no one threw their cloak down before Jesus until Bartimaeus did. Do you see what is happening, church? You see the connection to these stories. Do you see what is happening? Do you see Jesus, as he was getting his colt ready, where did this Bartimaeus go? He went into the Jerusalem where the beggars were sitting on the side of the road and he got the parade ready. He sees all those that are begging in Jerusalem and he tells them, just like you, I used to have a cloak on, but when he called my name, I put my cloak on the ground and I followed him. When I saw him, I said, this is the son of David. This is the king of kings. And I said that to him, even if I could not see, but now because I let go of my cloak, because I said with my mouth that he is the son of David, I I was once blind, but now I can see. Now the news began to spread throughout all the city. The beggars, the beggars, the city, the people living there, they began to line up. And what did they do? They did exactly what Bartimaeus instructed to them to do. As the king entered into the city, what happened? Every person began to take their cloak off before him. Those who do not have cloaks began to put palm branches down. And as Jesus came into Jerusalem as the king of kings, they joined their voices with Bartimaeus. And what did they say? Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of our father, David, the son of David, here is our king. I believed when Jesus walked in, in my spiritual imagination, that as people were walking in, as Jesus was walking in, people that put their cloaks down, they were healed. Why? Because they kept saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. What is Hosanna? It means joy, joy, unspeakable joy. Here comes the king. They begin to say, Hosanna, Hosanna. Church, if you want this in your life, I want you to stand up right now. You see, the disciples walked into Jerusalem. They were completely bewildered. But what did Bartimaeus do? Disciples were bewildered, and Bartimaeus was a herald, a herald for the king of kings. And he told everyone, I was once blind, but now I see. Church, I just need one young man, one woman of God, one uncle, one auntie who's willing to say, I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus. I am finished with my old life and I'm going to follow him. If I can just have one person willing to do that, we will shake an entire city. Jerusalem was shaken that day because of one man. That's how revivals start. Not because of big songs, not because of this or that. It, is, it happens when the people of God can see clearly and they tell the rest of the world when they leave, hey, I was blind, but now I see. Church, wherever this Jesus leads me, whether it's to the cross, whether it's to the empty tomb, whether it's through victory, whether it's through suffering, whether it's to happiness, whether it's to hurt, toward death, towards eternal life, I don't care. I'm going to follow him. Because now I see. 
Church, let's examine our hearts. Would you close your eyes and open up your hearts right now as we move into a time of worship? Are you truly fixed on Jesus this morning? Do you fully see him? Is he the true King of kings and Lord of lords? Maybe the question you need is, are you finished with your old way of life? Letting go of your comforts, your status, your identity. And are you completely trusting in Jesus this morning? Are you ready to follow Jesus, whether it is in royal procession or sacrifice, death, and eternal victory one day? Because if you do, others will join you. Your friends will join you. Your unbelieving friends will join you. And they will cry out, Son of David, have mercy on me. I let go of my cloak. I believe for my healing. Church, if you believe that you were once blind, but now you see, let's worship like you can truly see him. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If there is anything we can do to continue equipping you in your pursuit to be like Jesus, then please do not hesitate to reach out to us on our website at metrochurch.us. Also, if you found today's message to be inspiring and informative, then please share it with your family and friends and leave a review on this podcast platform or on our website. Again, thank you for joining us. We are so grateful for you. Have a great week and God bless you and your family.